is an infinite depth of meaning in the Bible, yet Swedenborg learned how real truth hides itself unless we live from love for others. We explore the power and universality of the Word right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. All right, Curtis, should we like open the door at once and we'll both just yell surprise? Let's do it. I mean, let's just let's just get it over with. Okay, great. All right. One, two, three. Surprise! Surprise! Oh, my heavens. Hey, Jonathan. Chelsea here. Here, sir, let me help you back up. Yeah. (laughs) If you'd said it in Latin, it might have been less of a shock, but just shifting is difficult (laughs) sometimes. Yeah, right. Going from the Latin to the English. Oh, man. Well, thanks for having us, and (laughs) you are translating all of these works of Swedenborg's, or rather you're editing the translations of them right now, but they have been taken from Latin, Neo-Latin, into English, but then being very carefully thought through in terms of how exactly to capture what Swedenborg is saying in the Latin in English, and then we get these glorious volumes of of the Mm. New Century Edition at the end, and so... I'm so grateful for your work and the whole team of the New Century Edition. It's amazing. And we get to come here week after week and hear kind of what's really stood out to you in your editing. What, you know, these these spiritual life gems. I've got to tell you, my job satisfaction is so high because the team I get to work with, editing Lisa, who's done such an amazing job of um, rendering this into real accessible English as much as you can, these amazing thoughts from heaven and everything. But but um, it's I'm just in heaven. And then it's also icing on the cake to be able to sit down with the two of you and present a few thoughts that have struck me, passages that have struck me, and see what you think. And I always love hearing how, how you react to these things. Well, icing is one of my favorite foods, so it's an honor Good. to be compared to that. <laughs> and I was going to say, like a like a nice vanilla buttercream. Mm, I'm ready for mm, it. That's right. So I enjoyed last time so much that I found three more passages on the topic of the Bible and us, um, which is kind of, if a, if Swedenborg had a middle name, that would probably have been whatever the Swedish is of that or Latin. <laughs> so in this first passage, Swedenborg describes this experience of encountering someone who had just recently left the physical world and was over there on the other side nice. in the afterlife. And uh, as Swedenborg is talking to this person, he suddenly, the other person suddenly shoots up in the air. And Swedenborg at first has two conjectures about why he did that, but then comes to see, no, it's a third reason why, why he did that. And it relates to uh, the Bible in an interesting way. Mm. He writes, A spirit came to me not long after he had left his body. This I could tell from the fact that he did not yet realize he was in the other life, but <laughs> believed he was still living in the world. I sensed that he had devoted his time to intellectual pursuits, which I discussed with him. But then, to my amazement, he suddenly soared into the air. 
I decided he was the type of person whose ambitions had been lofty, since people like this usually rise into the air. Or that he thought heaven was high in the sky. This kind of person, too, is usually raised aloft in order to learn that heaven is not up high but deep within. I soon perceived, though, that he had been lifted up to a group of angelic spirits positioned a little out in front and to the right on the first threshold of heaven. So, in other words, they, they're like the outermost rind, like, the, you know, the most outermost part of heaven. Mm-hmm. He then spoke to me from there, saying that he was seeing sights grander than the human mind could ever conceive. While this was happening, this gives an interesting kind of insight into Swedenborg's process. Like, what is Swedenborg doing while all this is going on? <laughs> oh, while this was happening, I was reading in the first chapter of Deuteronomy about the Jewish people. Specifically, the ones sent to scout out the land of Canaan and all that it held. As I was reading it, he said that he caught none of the literal meaning, but only the contents of the spiritual meaning, which were too astounding to describe. This occurred on the very threshold of the angelic spirit's heaven what would it be like in their heaven proper or in the heaven of true angels? Oh, (laughs) I love it so much. That's such a great uh, passage because I think it just captures, it's kind of a meta comment, but just Swedenborg's approach. He's just so open-minded. He's just wondering. He's like, whoa, I wonder what this could possibly be. I wonder what (laughs) What that... What was that? Yeah, and like... (laughs) <laughs> if this is that, then what might this other thing be? You know, he's not like, he's just got an open mind is what it seems like. And things in the spiritual world having representation, you know, like there's this representation that happens and the angels can let you know the meaning of it if you want to know. And so here's Swedenborg just having this thing happen, this person just goes flying up into the air and he's like, oh, well, it could mean this or it could mean this or maybe it's this, you know, but then he finds out what it really is. And yeah, that depth of potential meaning inside the word. That's just amazing. Well, like, look at the multitasking there. He doesn't even mention until three quarters of the way through the story that while he's talking to this spirit, he's also knocking out a chapter of Deuteronomy (laughs) <laughs> How many times are you like, talking to someone and reading <laughs> the word at the same time? Some consider it rude. I, I <laughs> imagine that he's got it open on his desk in front of him and he's kind of like going back and forth between these experiences. But it's just, it's just hilarious how it comes off. You know what it's like? It's like Calvin and Hobbes. It's like Calvin when he's in school, but then he's like imagining it as this like reptilian, you know, fantasy land or something. <laughs> right. All yeah. right. My kids are really into Calvin and Hobbes, but... A little no. bit more than that. We're with you. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the verticality in the passage, even though Swedenborg is careful to say, well, it's not up there, it's deep within, but you still get this sense of like, oh, that's only the first threshold, you know. Yeah. And and yet this guy is so blown away. This kind of an intellectual, a scholar of some kind, it seems like, and and yet when he goes up there, it's like, oh, no one has ever seen anything like this you know he can't even describe what he's seeing 
And even though he's so far away, Swedenborg knows what he's communicating to him, uh, which is interesting. And then just that sense of they're both just kind of like geeking out about it. Like, oh my gosh, what's the potential in here? It could go so much deeper. And fascinating that Swedenborg's reading and study of Deuteronomy is directly being fed to this person who he just met. Yes, yes. Right. That's so interesting. Somehow he's caught in that slipstream. And then he's able to describe, oh, I... I see what you mean, but there's nothing in in my reading from up here that has to do with spies or the land of Canaan or, you know, like it's completely different from all that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that this person has soared up into the air and is in the threshold of a different kind of holy land of this heaven. Right. You know, he he's kind of the spy. It's just amazing. Uh, the last week... When I was doing a live Q&A on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash off the left eye, somebody asked, what would Swedenborg have to say about the fact that there are contradictory accounts of near-death experiences? And Mm -hmm. what I was trying to say, history will be the judge if I got it across right or not, was that the spiritual world has all these representations and it's tough to interpret exactly what they mean. And this yeah. is that happening to Swedenborg in real time. Even though he's he's well-versed in the spiritual world and how it works, when that person flew up, as you're pointing out, Chelsea, there's a couple of good hypotheses, hypotheses <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he comes up with, but then it turns out it's a whole third thing. And he doesn't say, I guessed it. He says, I decided it was for reason A or reason B, and then kind of humbly says, um, it wasn't either. Yeah, right. <laughs> Of those things. <laughs> Talk about like, yeah, if there's any takeaway, it's like, be willing to be wrong, you know, <laughs> and, let your, and let your mind be expanded. Yeah, there's a lot. And I, I just love how much is in that story. This next passage is, again, about people viewing scripture which a lot of people did at his time period from the, and it's still quite popular, from the angle of truth or doctrine and not looking for the life information about how to be a more loving person or how to be compassionate and those kind of things that are also contained in there. So Swedenborg says um, the phrase of Scripture that he's working from seems quite bland on the face of it. It just says, and Isaac went from there. (laughs) That's it. And that's what he's writing about today. And Isaac went from there means that the Lord abandoned deeper truth. That the Lord abandons deep truth means that he does not reveal it to people. Inward truth is present throughout the word, but we do not even see it When we read the word, if we are the type that knows religious concepts without living by them, this becomes clear from the fact that people who consider faith the key to salvation do not notice what the Lord repeatedly said about love and charity. Hmm. Any who do notice 
any of this type, you know, people who believe in salvation by faith alone. Any who do notice call good deeds the fruits of faith, distinguishing and even separating them from charity whose nature they do not know. So they see the word from the back, not the front. In other words, they see its surface, not what is inside it. To see the back or the outside without the front or the inside is not to see anything divine in it. That is what it means to say that the Lord abandoned deep truth, symbolized by Isaac's going from there. Not that the Lord abandons it, but that people remove themselves from the Lord because they remove themselves from anything that affects their life. Hmm. Isn't that that can't see the forest for the trees? Doesn't right. isn't that what that means? That you're missing the big picture because of the way you fixate on a few particular things. And if, as we learned last time, the Bible is a book about your spiritual life, and as Jesus said, love of God and love of the neighbor are what everything hangs on. If you don't get that this this book is about teaching me how to be live in a more loving way, then you're just looking at the back of the thing. Yeah. Oh, and that's sort of like, are you willing to be made uncomfortable? Like, are you willing to question even something you might think that you're sure of? Because it's like, that's what I think of when I hear you say, like, remove themselves from anything that affects their life is like, okay, I'm going to be willing to hear something, but if it starts rocking the boat of, of like the security I have and every, like just the way my life is right now, then like, no, thanks. Nope. Don't want it. You know? So like that <laughs> talk about like, it's, it's almost, yeah, it's like you have to be willing to make your own self vulnerable, like your own understanding vulnerable to like maybe it's really not that way and that's that like shaking up that that really divine truth like the power that it has is it really can shake up what we're thinking and be like whoa maybe it's something very different yeah it's it's better to limit the as much as possible the stuff that's non-negotiable for you which is i think we just subconsciously we don't even realize that even by the time you get to your your scripture and or your your thing that you believe you're living your life code based on, you've already actually got a really cemented worldview, and it just is inescapable that you're going to fit what you read there to to whatever you've already got um, mapped out on on the heart. Yes, like shaking. There's that one. I think it's like some quote that talks about how like I'm going to shake you like a sieve or something like shake it up until just this essential thing is left over. And I think being willing to trust that when you get your ideas shaken up, like when you get your beliefs or the way that you've always thought things like when you go through a process of having that get totally shaken up, then you sort of descend into that into that reality of love, like you're saying, Curtis, and that's that essential thing. Like the non-negotiable is the thing that is always there, no matter how much your ideas get shaken up. You know, like it's always still there because it is reality. It's always gonna continue to reveal itself to you. There is something almost comical about the 
a, of a book that's intended to change your life and just, well, look, I'll make you a deal. I'll read it, <laughs> but I'm not going to change anything in my life, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get that straight at the outset. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll, I'm in this. I'll make a deal, but as long as I don't have to change. Thanks. Right. And maybe that's why, going back to when we were talking earlier about the how the Bible is like a mirror and it will reflect what you bring to it. Be, maybe that's the case because if it wasn't able to reflect to people what was in them, they would reject it. But, mm. and this is kind of what I said before, right. but, but they would reject it. And so the Bible being reflective like that is something that gives it a big install base. That even people who are not using it for love or to change their life can still see it as an authority or still still subs- right. Interesting. Uh, subscribe yeah. to it. Oh. And so then it can be there to possibly work on them later or work on them in subtle ways. Exactly. That suddenly makes me... Th- think of that image in the New Testament of the dragnet yes. where you're not selective. You just get everything. You know, first round is catch everything and then we'll sort later. Yes. Hmm. The third quote that I've got for us is um, really speaks to the universality of the word and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about this. It's a little shorter than those other two quotations. And um, I don't know. It's got interesting implications. Again, he's fixated on people who are only sticking to the literal meaning uh, and then kind of contrasts that with a different view. Hmm. Readers who stick to the literal meaning believe that when the word mentions Jacob, it means the whole people descended from Jacob. In consequence, they attribute to that people everything the word says about Jacob whether as narrative or as prophecy. The word is divine, though, mainly because everything in it relates not to one nation or one people, but to the entire human race as it is, as it was, and as it will be. (laughs) Wow. Everything it said? Everything? Everything in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's always confused me a bit when Swedenborg will give this description of the internal sense as it's talking about the churches from long ago. It seems, in, mm. in a certain layer of the internal sense, it seems almost like, right. okay, that's kind of cool, but isn't that sort of niche interest stuff? Why, why is that in there? But what you've just read there... Oh, yeah, it does describe how the human race was, but it describes all states of the human race forward and backward in time in every part of it. Well, that that seems comprehensive. Like, that that sits right. Yes. So I am just stuck or just, like, so hooked by this insight about the alignment that Swedenborg has made in this these selections of passages and the ones from last week about how the literal sense is the part that your outer self engages with and your outer self engages with the literal sense. And then it's the inner sense that your inner self 
engages with. And that is all about love, the heavenly love, all of that stuff. And so it's like, I just almost think you can't hold him to it. Like, so everything in the Bible, as he's saying, has this, has this um, applicability to everything and everyone in all time. And, uh, but that something about the literal sense being like, you know, the way your outer self would read the Bible is what's just stuck with me about like, right, why is the literal sense so confusing? I think what he's really meaning is like, when your outer self is trying to read the Bible, it's just mm. going to get confused. But because of course we know there's things in the literal sense of the Bible that are very love based, you know, very clear. Like there's no confusion. There's no, you know, thicket. So it's really just almost like I'm just having fun kind of playing around with him. Like he's saying the literal sense, but it's like how our outer self engages with the literal sense is kind of like what mm. he means. Um, but this, I feel like I've sort of taken us on a little bit of a tangent from like this passage itself, but that just feels like it's a, a part of this. Well, I love that. And the, um, the thing that's so striking to me in here is not only like he already had me at the entire human race. I thought that was really great, you know. <laughs> But then when he adds that very simple phrase, but I don't ever remember anybody ever mentioning this passage to me. Like I've never heard this passage before. Mm -hmm. The entire human race, as it is, as it was, and as it will be. And the idea, as you were saying, Curtis, that the, the past, and Swedenborg does unearth a very detailed you know, how breathing worked and how people felt and how they saw reality, you know, is in there, in the text, encoded in it. But also what the human race can develop into, what it mm. will be. I mean, that's awesome. You know, what it is now, what it was and what it will be is all in there. Mm. And if I'm reading it correctly, it's in everything. Everything in it relates to all of that. Yeah. And so any reading that's kind of narrow, that this is about this genealogy or this is about this group of people who did this, is missing that vast point. And that's what Swedenborg's trying to bring out. But I find myself especially intrigued about the idea that maybe the human race can improve and get better and become more heavenly, the heaven and earth. And and the idea, it just, I don't know, it really intrigues me to think about what is encoded in there about who and what the human race will turn into in the future. Mm. Yeah, I think about like the, what we were talking about, about how the inner self, yeah, is connected to the inner meaning and the outer self to the literal meaning and that the human race will get better and better at being able to just hook right into that, uh, that heavenly love, that inner meaning that is, that's just, that somehow, you know, for whatever reason needs that, needs that very, uh, needs that outer container, that embodiment. And yet is this pathway this gateway to that love like we could be getting better and better at just 
letting, you know, kind of acknowledging what the outer self tries to do with the, with the, with the word or something, but then we know how to hook into the, to the inner sense that is in our inner self, you know, that love that we learn better and better how to connect into that. It's so fun to think with you both about, I mean, that's opening up in a way that I've never seen it before about the inner self connecting with that heavenly part and the outer self with, you know, with the literal text and what's going on when you, I mean, it's not a very difficult thing to say, and Swedenborg says it over and over again, but the implications are really mind-boggling, and the experience of that, you know, what are we experiencing when we engage with Scripture and different ways to 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 read it, to to have that love open up so that you can see it and apply it to your life. So great. So wonderful. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I love getting to come here week after week. And and thanks, Curtis, for, for coming too. It's always just such a great time to reflect on these topics. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com donate. And thank you for listening. <laughs>